Well, good evening and welcome to this week 11 edition of Rams All Access. With DeMarco Farr, I am J.B. Long. Uh, bummed, sorry, that we will not be able to uh, go to Mexico City and to engage the fan base there, but uh, hard also not to be relieved and excited about the opportunity uh, to greet the Southern California fan base again unexpectedly on a short week at the Coliseum uh, Monday Night Football. Excited. I'm glad this game is back in L.A. It's Monday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. It was going to be fun in Mexico, but... What happened to the field? I mean, this was on the calendar for a while, right? Right. Come on, Shakira. <laughs> Clean up your mess. Don't ruin the field. But, hey, it is what it is. I'm, I'm glad the league made the decision early in the week so you can at least shift gears and give people a chance to get to the stadium. I uh, didn't want to have to get into on this show whether or not Sean McVay would have to, should consider resting starters, like doubling down on the bye by saying, hey, if the field is in, in this shape, you're not going to see Todd Gurley. Uh, you're not going to see Aaron Donald, for instance, uh, from the player's perspective, especially as you started to hear that there were Chiefs and Rams considering sitting out. How did that strike you as they prepared for a potential trip south of the border? You've heard people say this and coaches say this about certain players. He would play on cement. He'll play anywhere. It doesn't matter. You don't even have to pay him to play. A lot of guys are like that. But, I mean, when it gets down to a situation to where the field can actually hurt you, end your career, you you have to step in and protect the player. Uh, just like fighters, you got to step in and protect the fighter. But if the field is just unplayable, then it is. It's unplayable. You can't play on that surface. Somebody will get hurt. It's almost a guarantee. Can you imagine? I mean, the NFL, right now, you think the L.A. Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs has the best collection of young talent in the league, would right. you say? I mean, it's going to be a collection of MVP candidates right. on Monday at the Coliseum. So both teams go down to Mexico, play on that field, and say you lose Mahomes, you lose Goff, you lose Gurley, all in one game. You can't live that down ever, especially when you had a, a chance to move it back to the Coliseum and play it there. So I, I'm glad they shifted gears when they when they had to to move the game to make it safer. I mean, we're going to spend the next hour talking about how big, how important this game is against the Chiefs. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not. I mean, being 9-1 and one means it's not critical to your season. You can get to where you want to go without winning, much less even playing this game. So to run the players out there that are going to get you through January and maybe into February, from a coaching standpoint, look, like you said, play on concrete, play any day of the week, any conditions, but you're also responsible for maintaining the best possible roster that you can for the postseason because that's where this group and the Chiefs are heading. No doubt, and I said this earlier, um... If there's going to be a situation to where both teams don't want to play, then I'm with it. But I'm going to show up. I'm going to make sure I'm there. Right. Because next thing you know, Mahomes shows up, the Chiefs show up, and you have to forfeit just for fun. Uh, but you want to play against teams like this. I mean, I I'm sure that Aaron Donald wants to chase around Mahomes. I'm sure Todd Gurley wants to ply his trade versus the Chiefs. I mean, it's going to be a fun matchup. So... I'm glad that the, the, the surface doesn't ruin a special week, a special Monday night attraction. Yeah. Well, glad that we don't have to tackle any of those really tough topics or decisions on that surface. Uh, we do feel, we do recognize for uh, members of our audience who had made plans, made accommodations uh, for this trip. It was going to be really special. Uh, hopefully you can find a way to recoup some of your costs and certainly to join us on Monday night football. Now, putting that behind us, uh, it is going to be a true home game now. Mm -hmm. The Rams do get that home game back. That's a competitive advantage that we're going to talk about. It's also an emotional advantage because this community, given all that it has been through in recent days, now has a chance uh, to take their mind off certain 
realities and hopefully gather and rally at the Coliseum around the Los Angeles Rams. And that's what football players and football is ultimately about. It's about entertainment and entertaining the fan base and your TV viewing audience, taking you away from your life for three hours or however long the game uh, lasts. So, And it's right in your backyard what's happening. You're all affected by it. Um, just travel down the one-on-one and go look. Uh, if, you, if you're out of the affected area, I challenge you to go into that area and look and see what they're dealing with. I mean, it's, it's rough. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of attention paid to, let's say, earthquakes or tornadoes, disasters everywhere in the country. I mean, it seems like fire doesn't get the same sort of fear or, or worry that, that other disasters get. Go look. It looks the same mm-hmm. as it did in Japlin. Houses are gone. People are missing. It's, it's a disaster. People are suffering right now. So if you can come back and just separate people from that misery for just a little while, then I think you've done your job as an athlete. In case you weren't aware of this, the Rams had planned and did go to Colorado Springs on Monday evening to prepare at altitude for a game in Mexico City, a city that is higher in altitude than even Denver, where the Rams have already played and won here in 2018. What did you make of the decision to stick with that plan, to stay in Colorado to train, even though this Week 11 contest is no longer going to be played really hardly above sea level? Well, two things. Number one, I think you get uh, training in altitude is going to give you the cardio advantage. So be it. That's the way it goes. There's a reason Olympic athletes train up there. And boxers. That's that's the point. Uh, the second thing about the, the field, I was kind of okay with it before I found out the field was unsafe. I was happy it was going to be muddy because that might slow down Kansas City. Ah. Now you're on, you're on a, a, I guess, an even playing field, which gives them back their speed, which makes them dangerous. So... It's good coming home. You're going to have the crowd noise, but you're going to see vintage Kansas City, a fast Kansas City on a flat surface now. So my first question when I found out that they had pulled the plug on Mexico City and they were going to play this Monday night game in Los Angeles was, well, are the Rams going to be on the next plane home? And the answer is obviously no. They're going to continue there through this week of preparation. And the more I thought about it, the more that I really like that decision by the organization and by the Rams for, for multiple reasons. Let's start with the competitive reason. I'm not saying that last year's Arizona Cardinals are, are this year's Kansas City Chiefs. They could not be farther apart, okay? But the Rams got a week in Jacksonville last year, you remember, mm-hmm. before they went to London, where they got to just kind of be insulated a little bit, midway point of the season roughly, be together as a group, almost like a second training camp. And they came out with one of their best performances of the year in London. Given all that has happened and continues to happen here in Los Angeles, including members of their own families who are affected, by the way, the families of the Los Angeles Rams were invited to travel to Colorado Springs. So they're not in complete isolation, but they do get to step away from all of the realities that I know the Southland is dealing with and focus on this matchup with the Chiefs. And I think that translates hopefully really well to Monday in the matchup with the Chiefs. Um, uh, No doubt, man. I mean, when you're traveling together, you're living together, you're living amongst each other, it's only going to make you pull together and and bond and galvanize uh, yourselves against all the outside distractions. And frankly, you get a chance to focus on the things that are affecting you during the game, especially defensively. You can get in a room privately and really get after it and figure out what's wrong. So maybe even a change of scenery yeah. is good for that purpose? Just well, Yeah, instead of guys going home at the end of the day and kind of putting football on the shelf, you just go back to your room a couple of floors up, and you never get away from it, mm. which is exactly what they need on that side of the ball right now. Well, I'm looking forward in the next segment to getting into what some of those specific corrections are with you. We'll talk about whether the Rams' defense 
can really mount a performance worthy of this Super Bowl preview potentially on Monday Night Football against the Chiefs. We'll also talk about Cooper Cup's injury, uh, what happens at receiver there. Of course, the uh, the reunion with Sammy Watkins and Marcus Peters, how that plays into Monday's dynamic. And then, like we said already, MVP, MVP candidates galore in this matchup. Some of the best collection of individual talent you will see in this sport. It will all be under the Coliseum lights. Monday Night Football, this is Rams All Access. Coming back with comments from Coach Sean McVay after this on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. The latest in NFL history that two teams each averaging at least 33 points per game have ever met on an NFL football field. That's the show that'll be on display at the Coliseum. Monday Night Football returns to Los Angeles. And welcome back to this edition of Rams All Access. Still ahead, we'll have four down territory. We'll get the latest from the opponent side of the equation, and we'll go around the NFC for the latest in the hunt for the number one seed. But let's get into some of the uh, defensive deficiencies specifically to Marco, because granted the Rams uh, escaped the Coliseum with a win against the Seahawks. When you look back at some of those plays and some of those numbers that Russell Wilson and Procise and Penny put up, especially on the ground, Look, there's a lot of cause for concern, and not just this week against a truly capable offensive club, but the rest of the way. Like, they can't get to where they want to go playing defense like this. No doubt. Uh, the stuff that Russell Wilson did with his legs, you kind of have to let go. He's just special, and he's going to make people pay. But Mahomes can make you pay, too. Mahomes can do it. You're going to see some of the same stuff um, out of Kansas City that, that Russell Wilson just did. But the run plays that pop by running backs, especially the ones with Penny, the quick cutbacks, uh, guys out of position, guys not getting off blocks, the mistakes down the field, the missed tackles are the ones that just drive you nuts. If you make the first tackle or drop the guy on first contact, it's second and eight at worst. I mean, second and eight, second and six, third and seven. You have a chance to rush the passer and get off the field instead of a big play that's down the field, sets up a first and ten, and it gives them a full complement of the playbook where they're just kind of tossing footballs at the end zone. Um, you have to play better than that. You have to get lined up fast. You have to know what you're doing. There are certain situations now. The Seahawks didn't take advantage of it for the most part, but there were certain situations where three or four guys are looking back at each other saying, who's got what, who's got what? And then on the snap of the football, you're all late to the flat. Cannot happen. So if you look at the stat sheet, and the guys that are making plays. Just look at sacks alone. I think they have 26, and Donald's got 12. Uh, that can't be. It can't be a one-man show out there. You can't look for one guy to bail you out or two guys to bail you out. You need all 11 on the same page first. And then after that, play through the whistle, especially with teams like Kansas City. If you're lax in your coverage or lax in your tackling, not only are they going to break the tackle, they're going to score. And they can absolutely bury you with speed if you're making, if you're missing tackles like we just saw versus Seattle. Now, I could point back to the fact that the Rams had a practice canceled last week as part of the quote unquote built in excuse uh, for what they didn't do defensively against the Seahawks. But on the other side of the equation, tackling is not a one practice solution or fix, right? And this is a team that they had already seen schematically this season. No right? doubt. I mean, from a preparation standpoint, an assignment standpoint, alignment standpoint, they should have been there already against Seattle, right? Well, it started, for me, back against New Orleans when it seems like they just couldn't get Mike Thomas on the ground. They had trouble corralling uh, Kamara. And Seattle's going to pick up on that and run the same sort of plays that get their ball carrier on the edge and make your inside-out tackler have to make a tough tackle and see if he can do it. 
for the most part, they've been breaking those tackles. So they're going to keep coming back to those plays. But being out of position or being in in a non-advantageous position defensively means you're not lined up fast. You're not ready to play when the ball is snapped. That's got to change. So here's where, where I'm stuck between. I feel like because of how this defense looks on paper, there's going to come a moment this season, and maybe it's Monday, where they rise to the occasion and where they play their best game, and it all clicks. It all falls into place. I still believe that very firmly. But on the other hand, it's getting tougher and tougher to ignore the evidence that we've actually seen. This could also look like it did in New Orleans, to use your example, where the skill position players, the quarterback, the offensive line, it's all there for Kansas City to do damage to that degree. Absolutely. And, but and so yeah, it's but don't get don't misunderstand me. There is some great defense being played by the Rams in certain areas. When you need to make plays, they make plays. When they uh, need to get off the field, they somehow find a way to get off the field to win the football game. But at some point, like it did versus New Orleans, they're just going to make one more play than you. You have to start being dominating from start to finish, not kind of walk into the street fight and get punched in the mouth and then respond. Is it fair to say this has to be the best defensive game the Rams have played in 2018 to get this victory? By far. And that's funny because you just played New Orleans, who's as dangerous as anyone. And Aaron Rodgers was just a few weeks ago. But Kansas City is on a whole different level. Um, there's, I think Tariq Hill is the fastest man in the NFL. Anybody want to debate that? I mean, I'm serious. There is no such thing as makeup speed with him. If he's behind you, it's gone. Kelsey is the the biggest matchup nightmare there is in in the game right now, and that includes Gronkowski. You just can't cover the guy. And Mahomes is, I think he would win the skills competition mm. every single year. He just throws darts. And Andy Reid has these guys going. They are motivated, and they think every play is a scoring play, and that's what it looks like on tape. So if you're not lined up correctly, if you're not communicating properly, and if you're not playing your best football from snap to whistle they are going to score on you it's inevitable see i would like to paint an optimistic picture here and say that maybe everything that you just described is the wake-up call uh, that gets the rams defense to really focus to really lock down and deliver that performance but i think comfortably we could have said almost the identical thing two weeks ago going to new orleans and it did capture their attention it did not get them to play the keys it did not get them to do all the things that you're talking about. So I'm curious to see. Uh, this isn't make or break by any means, but you know, you're know you going into the bye week. If you haven't figured it out by week 11, then maybe two weeks of preparation coming off the bye is really all that you can hope for down the stretch defensively. Hopefully, and you're going to need everybody, all 11 on defense, to play well to stop these guys, to slow them down. There is no stopping Kansas City. So going back and looking, uh, they did a great job on Geno Atkins. I think he had one tackle and one quarterback hit. That's the other great tackle in the NFL. Mm -hmm. There's nothing there. New England didn't get close to Mahomes. Uh, I went back and watched what they did to Cleveland just to see what Greg Williams would throw at him. I knew he was going to be ultra-aggressive. The the defense kind of correlate, but he takes it to the, to the nth degree with pressure. Uh, eventually, they figured them out and started to just move the football at will. So if you're not ready to play, if you're not functioning on, on all cylinders, at least above the neck, you're going to have serious problems. You could be down 21 before you know it. It's interesting because the Rams have seen great quarterbacks. They've seen uh, intimidating rushing attacks. They've seen true number one receivers. They've seen speed. They've seen elite tight ends. Now they're going to see them all in one game. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kansas City has all of that wrapped up in one package. Now... There's the, there's the technical, there's the X's and O's side of the equation, and then there's the emotional portion. And I've never, 
I take that back. I almost said I'm, I've never heard Sean McVay as disappointed with a win before. Jacksonville last year, he was disappointed with the win. That had more to do with himself and his play calling. I've never heard him more disappointed in his team following a win than he was last week. And a lot of that had to do with the mental mistakes. Aaron Donald, part of that package, here's what the head coach had to say about containing themselves emotionally in a win like that. I love Aaron. We talked about it. You know, we can't allow the emotions of the game to affect our responses and, and how we control different things. And, and it's a fine line because there are some different things where if you feel like you're being threatened, where guys are trying to do things intentionally to try to hurt you, that's never something that we condone. Um, you know, but we always try to learn from these experiences. And, and these are things that as I'm learning, as I navigate through the first couple of years as a head coach, um, how do you make sure we always demonstrate from some of our most important players like an Aaron, you know, that these are learning opportunities that we can't allow the emotions of the game to affect our responses that could potentially hurt the team. And he'll learn from that. We'll all be better. And, and these are things that, that we can all use to make sure that we do a better job of uh, making sure that the standards, the expectations, how we want to respond with regards to our poise in some of these moments is indicative of the type of football team that we want to be moving forward. And, and I trust that Aaron will do the same. You know, when you said I've seen every snap of Aaron Donald's pro career, I, I'd never really thought of it that way until I heard it verbalized. But the last couple of times I've seen him behave like this, it's usually come not because of what happens to him. It's defensive confusion. Aaron plays great no matter what. Win, lose, he's going to be great. That's how good he is. But when there's confusion, when there's plays being allowed that shouldn't be allowed, when you should be off the field and you're not and you're still on the field because of mistakes, this is when you're going to start to see the riled-up Aaron, the one that just lets his hair down. Because it's kind of like an enforcer in hockey. It's not the guy that he's going after. He's sending a message to the opponent and to his own team. I'm frustrated. That's interesting. That's that's the way he speaks. Now, so a couple things off of that. One, I want to be very clear. We're not pointing to Aaron Donald as the only person who lost his cool during last week's win, right? I mean, there were plenty of Well, others. you can. I mean, he's the guy that put on his helmet and went back into the handshake scrum and right, right, got but, into it. But yeah. the defense was off the field on fourth down and Fowler – uh, popped off of the mouth and got yeah. a personal foul and extended a drive. I mean, there were there were other instances. I guess is my point. Um, but but I think what McVeigh is probably driving at is your best players have to set the tone, the temperature, and the example, right? And if if Aaron is losing his cool, then it creates an environment where other players could also cost their team defensively. Well, here's my philosophy: music, the genres of music, hip hop, rock. Let's just take those two. They couldn't be more different when you listen. But if you listen close enough, they're all saying the same thing. I think Sean McVay and Aaron Donald are saying the exact same thing, just in different right, ways. Right. He's showing you his frustration. Now get it right on defense. And McVay, uh, like he always does, also pointed the finger at himself, and you know he kind of made light of it by saying it was his language. But I also think he has come to realize that he's in a really emotional head coach on the sideline, right? And he, he wants his team to uh, exude that kind of persona. But there comes a boundary where you know maybe it gets out of hand and the referees see it in a different light. But I, the other part of what intrigued me about your comment was that Aaron uh, losing his cool was not just specific to, say, DJ Fluker's comments from Week 5 or maybe cheap shots, late hits out of bounds. But it, it's also systemic that he gets frustrated when the parts around him aren't functioning the way that they should. So when he has a two-and-a-half sack game, they're still allowing almost 300 yards rushing. Like Those things don't add up, and they equate to frustration on the field for Aaron. When you line up any position, especially when you play it like Aaron, and he knows I have this, this gap here, which means Sue has that, Samson has this, Marcus Peters has that. Okay, if the ball goes here, if I don't make it, this guy should make it. Okay, why is it 17 yards down the field? 
Why is it 20 yards down the field? What's happening here? Why aren't we making plays? And you're not going to know when you're on the field because it's so fast. When you get to the bench and you and you figure out, okay, we're making mistakes here, we're making mistakes there, or we just gave them another first down with something like another bonehead mistake, that is going to wear on you, especially as hard as he plays. I mean, that makes sense, especially going back to uh, the 2016 opener in San Francisco when he lost his cool through his helmet. I mean, that that had to do with the opponent. That had to do with the officials. But it was also in the context of kind of a defensive collapse or a defensive disappointment that he that he boiled over. Um, all right, we'll flip sides of the football, and we'll talk some offense next. How do the Rams replace Cooper Cup in terms of what he meant in alignment and uh, covering uh, for so many mistakes and a safety blanket for Jared Goff? How do they replace him, both his production and what he meant mentally to one of the smartest offenses in the league? That's next on Rams All Access. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. You know, it's a huge loss for our football team. Uh, he's such an important part of of what we do, and and a great football player, great person. It's tough. Fortunately, we've got guys that that are ready to step up. Josh Reynolds has definitely demonstrated he's more than capable. He is a starting caliber player, um, and that's what we'll do moving forward. You know, coaches are like parents. They're not supposed to have favorites, but deep down, (laughs) you can tell they do. And that was Sean McVay uh, talking about the loss of Cooper Cup uh, for the rest of 2018. And from the moment he went down, certainly his postgame comments again this week, uh, his loss is going to be felt offensively for the rest of this season. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I want to be Cooper Cup's brother. That's 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 a high standard. He does everything right and the right way, and he's a tremendous football player. And, and not just a tremendous receiver. There was a play in the second quarter, and I think you remember this. It was a plus-10 run by Gurley on a toss sweep. Remember that play? Cooper Cup lined up on Deion Jordan, a former third pick in the draft, and hooked him like a tackle. And threw him upfield. Not just got position, blocked him. And blocked him well. It's not just what this guy does with a catch and carry. He's a complete football player. He might be the best football player on the team. And that includes Donald. He just doesn't make mistakes. So I don't know how you replace or if it's possible to replace a guy like him. Those blocks, by the way, are what set the foundation for the dummy blocks that turn into releases that turn into touchdowns. You have I mean, to honor it as yeah. a defensive end. I mean, that's not Joe Bag of Donuts he blocked. Like I said, that's Deion Jordan, yeah. who, who offensive linemen can't get a glove on. And here's Cooper Cup with great position, great body position, and just threw the guy out of the way and sprung Todd Gurley. I don't know where you find that on this football team. I mean, midway point of his second season last week uh, in the win over Seattle, he hauls in his 100th career reception but then has to leave early with that season-ending knee injury. So how do they replace him? You know, I mean, by committee, um, Reynolds is going to have to step up. You know, Kadero Hodges has been getting in the game a little bit more, or w- when you least expect it, there he is on the field. So he's acclimated to the offense the tight ends are finally starting to come around, so I, I think you have to do it by committee for the production standpoint. But just that guy that can be Mr. Everything, that's Mr. Decept- deception to the offense that gets the defense to buy into what you think is coming, I don't know who, who replaces that. Part of it is they have designated Farrow Cooper to come off of IR. That was up in the air, and I'm not sure that that was a certain thing given the fact that they're pretty stable right now in the return game. But with Cup's injury, it became the obvious replacement. Aqib Tlaib will get the other IR designation, and we hope to see him after uh, the bye, of course. But in terms of how they replace Cooper Cup, I'm curious to see when they come back from the mountains if it's Robert Woods in that role. I mean, they move some pieces around plenty. Like I I don't want to say their receivers are interchangeable because they're all very good at certain things. 
Um, but I wonder if they put Reynolds more wide and let Robert Woods, who I think physically and mentally is, is probably very capable of doing what Cooper Cup did in that role. I'm sure he's willing. He'd be the next guy I trust and the guy with size to do it. You, I, I would love to say Brandon Cooks could do it, but he's, he's not the biggest guy in the world. I think he'd, It'd be a mismatch in there. Right. Well, and he's yeah. so great isolated to a single side. Leave him what, there. Yeah. And Robert Woods, I thought that Sean McVay was in a nice rhythm with how he was using him. The plays that he used against the Seahawks, you haven't seen. And there's going to be play actions and counters off those plays. So I hope that you don't have to pull him off that to replace what Cup is doing. I hope that you can replace him through other people and just let Robert do what Robert has done or just let that progression carry on. Now, they don't replace a receiver with a tight end necessarily. I expect them to stay in 11 personnel the way they have, but you can't help but notice that the last two weeks have been the most productive from the tight end position for the Los Angeles Rams, including touchdowns, a one for each Gerald Everett and Tyler Higbee last week against the Seahawks. Well, it was funny. Uh, back before, gosh, where did, where were we? Oh, New Orleans. Um, before that game, the tight ends were non-existent in the offense, like Sean McVay wasn't going to them. And then we talked to him on the coaches' show, and they said, well, look, he's going to start hitting those tight ends just to make the defense honor. And then in New Orleans, I think Higby had one right off his hands in the end zone that should have been a score, right? I mean, again, one of Jared Goff's best throws, like one of the top ten throws of his career, I would say. It just didn't go for a touchdown. So all excuses are out the window. He went to you, you were open, and it just didn't happen. So... You're going to have to recover from that. So they jammed the football into those tight ends. I thought Everett played well. Um, I, I told him from the day, from day one, you should live in the end zone. This is where you're going to make your money. I, I, I could care less what happens in the open field, but when they get in the red zone or close to the end zone, this should be you. Great route runner, great route, great catch, great everything. But watching those two guys make the defense pay for overlooking them, I thought was great. Uh, before we get away from the receivers, I do want to point out, you, you touched on Robert Woods there. He had a couple of just incredible third-down conversions. Um, he now has the longest active streak in the NFL of consecutive games with at least 70 yards receiving. Adam Thielen recently had his streak broken. So nine straight for Robert Woods with at least 70 yards receiving. The next highest in the NFL active is five by A.J. Green. If the season ended today, I think it would be a travesty if Robert Woods was not a Pro Bowl. I hope he's appreciated for what, for what he's given this football team. Um, I, I bet that he's going to have every player vote and coaches vote for the Pro Bowl. I mean, the, the guys that are in the locker room and that are game planning against him respect him. I'm just not sure that translates to the fans because, I mean, Julio Jones, the wow plays, the, the number one receiver types always get the nod when it comes to fan votes. But when it comes to what's really hurting a defense, Robert Woods' name is all over that. I mean, the, the run game removal, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, which is why I also think he'd be great in that Cooper Cup role that you talked about because who's the next guy most likely to hook Deion Jordan? Right. <laughs> or his equivalent. I, I think or at Robert least is try. That guy. Right. <laughs> um, so let's finish this segment with uh, the question that's kind of been on my mind all week. It probably has been yours as well. How many points does the Rams offense have to score on Monday Night Football to beat the Chiefs? Oh, and I hate saying this. Um, you're going to be in the upper 30s. Uh, it's just the way it is. I mean, Andy Reid is as good as anyone, and Eric Bieniemy too. They're as good as anyone at game planning, just like Sean McVay, making you pay for your defensive rules, and he's got speed to burn with Tariq Hill and those players. It seems like there's a new villain every week that can hurt you. So at some point, you know they're going to hit the box. So I would say in the upper 30s, hmm. just to be comfortable. And then it might be a shootout from there. Wouldn't it be funny if it turned into a defensive struggle? 
<laughs> that would be. But I mean, because every once in a while yeah. you get these where you feel like you know exactly how this game is going to go. First team to 40 wins, last team to have the football wins. I mean, that's kind of what we're projecting for Monday. Right. I agree. And then what if it's like turnover filled and, and sack heavy and I would be shocked. The NFL would be upset cuz they're expecting the shootout. But I would say this, right? You know what the Jordan rules are, right? You you let Jordan do what he does and lock down everyone else. Yep. There's going to be 10 to 15 plays that Kansas City just hits on you because they're that good. But the other 50, you have to be lights out. You have to win those to mitigate the the disaster of giving up those big plays. If you lock down the other 50, those other 10, 15 big plays won't really matter as much. The problem of applying the Jordan rule to this game is they have five Jordans. Right. But so do the Rams. <laughs> right. When they run traditional stuff. But if you have a chance to make a tackle, you've got to make the tackle. All right. Four down territory is coming up next on Rams All Access. How does Kansas City feel about Sammy Watkins after half a season? And do they miss Marcus Peters? We'll find out next. We'll go inside opponent's territory on Rams All Access. This is ESPN LA 710. All right. Welcome back to Rams All Access Week 11 edition and time for Four Down Territory. A list of questions for Adam Teicher, who covers the Chiefs for ESPN's NFL Nation. We welcome Manhattan Beach's own Adam Teicher to the program. Uh, great to have you with us. Give us the reaction from Chiefs camp regarding uh, this sudden relocation of this Monday night football showdown. Yeah, you know, it's probably not as big a deal to the Chiefs as it is to the Rams. I mean, you know, the Rams have to get ready to prepare for a home game now, but you know, the other issues, they, you know, the Rams went to Colorado to prepare. Chiefs weren't going anywhere. They were just going to prepare here in Kansas City and deal with the altitude when they got to Mexico. So, you know, really their week uh, was was basically uh uh, uninterrupted in that regard. The only difference is on Sunday uh, they'll get on a plane and uh, it'll be heading to Los Angeles instead of um, uh, Mexico City. So otherwise, uh, you know, it, it really hasn't disrupted what they've had going uh, at all. How about the fan base? I know how well they travel. Will they be able to adjust on the fly and make it to L.A.? Yeah, you don't know. I mean, that's the thing. You just don't know. I, I would think so, but, um, you know, it's... <laughs> It's tough deal. So, um, you know, it's, it's a Monday night, which makes, I think makes it even more difficult. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm kind of curious to see that myself. All right. Adam Teicher is with us. He covers the Chiefs for ESPN's NFL Nation. Take us inside Patrick Mahomes' MVP caliber start to 2018, uh, if you will. Give us the inside scoop on what has made him so successful in his first season as a full-time starter. Well, I mean, he, he plays like a veteran. You, you, you don't watch him and say, wow, that's a first-year starter most of the time. I mean, you know, occasionally he'll do a young guy thing. But for the most part, uh, you know, he, the, the mistakes maybe he's made, you, you wouldn't say that, you know, those are lack of experience. They're just, uh, you know, you throw the ball enough, you're going to make a mistake here and there. But he's done a nice job, of, for the most part, in decision-making. And um, you, you just don't see a, a, a young guy. I mean, he, he he's tended to manipulate the defense really well um, for, for a young guy with his eyes, and that's you know something that usually takes some experience, but he, he's done that very well um, during his short time as a two starter. So, um, you know, it's, uh, he, you know, if I'd say one thing, it's just that, uh, um, you know, he, he's just not playing like a, a rookie or a first-year starter. I mean, you just aren't seeing a lot of that uh, 
from him. He, he looks like he's been around for a while. All right, the Rams' gauntlet of terrific quarterbacks continues with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Adam Teicher is with us. Can you uh, give us some perspective on Sammy Watkins in Kansas City and Marcus Peters leaving Kansas City for Los Angeles? How does your part of the country and the Chiefs' fan base uh, view what's kind of transpired uh, through the offseason and for the first part of 2018? Yeah, um, you know, it's certainly uh, two big deals out here for the Chiefs. Uh, you know, first Watkins. You know, he 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 was given uh, you know big money, start uh, you know number one receiver money, but he really hasn't been that. That's not to say he's been a disappointment, but the Chiefs have a lot of places to go with the ball, and um, you know, Travis Kelsey and uh, Kareem Hunt and um, uh, Tyreek Hill have sort of been the, the three favorite guys for uh, Pat Mahomes. Not that um, Watkins hasn't had some impact, but um, you know certainly uh, he, he's been maybe fourth in line when it's time to get the ball. But he's had some big games, and um, you know he, he's he's contributed. So it's not like he's been a bust or anything like that. But maybe not a huge huge contributor that you might expect for the money, at least not so far. Now the Marcus Peters thing, I could keep you here for a while uh, with that <laughs> one, but um, you know the Chiefs obviously didn't want him anymore, and. You know, maybe with the way he was, he's playing this year, maybe that their um, position on that has been um, validated. Uh, maybe another thing that validates it is really the Rams are the only team interested in him. And if you know, he was such a valuable player to a lot of teams, why were the Rams the only team interested? So, um, you know, there's a lot of layers with the Marcus Peters story. But, uh, you know, basically it, it comes down to the Chiefs, uh, uh, just didn't want him around anymore, and, and knew that um, you know it was, this year was the time to get rid of him. If they were going to get something for him, it was time to do it now, and uh, that, that's when they made the move. All right, final question for uh, Adam Teicher here on Four Down Territory. Uh, he covers the Chiefs for ESPN's NFL Nation. A lot of talk in Southern California about can the Rams uh, stop Mahomes? Can they stop Sammy Watkins? Can they stop the Chiefs? My question for you. Look in the other direction. Can Kansas City stop the Rams on defense? Where are they at on that side of the football? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Chiefs have a little bit, to some extent, have kind of been all over the place on defense. You know, they they um, um, you know given up a lot of yards for sure. Some of that is misleading. That's teams uh, you know throwing on them uh, all the time because the Chiefs are, have been so far ahead in some of their games. So maybe yards isn't best. The best. Uh, uh, gauge for the Chiefs uh, to gauge their defense. You know, they, they've had some three and outs and, and, and some big moments on defense and turnovers. They're, they're really pass rush has really uh, ramped up the last few weeks. Um, uh, they got some guys on the in the uh, defensive side who are playing pretty well, particularly when it comes to rushing the quarterback. So, you know that that might be an issue for the Rams uh, Monday night. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes, but. Uh, um, you know, the Chiefs have quietly played some pretty good defense the last few weeks, only 17 points per game over the last uh, four games. And that's, uh, I think, fifth best in the league, so pretty good there. But, you know, they, they haven't faced an offense quite like the Rams. I mean, that, that's uh, you know certainly their biggest challenge in this stretch is how to take care of the Rams. Adam, thank you so much for your time in the middle of this busy week. Uh, we look forward to your homecoming to Los Angeles and the matchup at the Coliseum Monday Night Football. And I'm looking forward to it, too. Thanks. Uh, we continue with DeMarco Farr, and so perhaps the uh, Sammy Watkins-Marcus Peters showdown isn't all it was cracked up to be back in August, but I still think it's going to factor into the outcome of this game on Monday. I do, too. Um, I, I think they're perfect for each other. Um, Sammy is a big guy, long strider. Marcus Peters... 
has made a living covering guys like him. So you have to think at some point Mahomes is going to give that a shot, give it a try, uh, throw up a 50-50 ball and expect Sammy to come down with it. So it's going to be a heck of a battle. So when you think about two guys that were made for each other to play against each other, to me it's Sammy Watkins and Marcus Peters. Perfect for each other. And both are going to have something emotionally to prove to the teams that let them get away in one way or another. And that's... I was worried about that with Sammy, um, the get-back games. Going back to Jared Cook and the Raiders, I didn't know he harbored any animosity, but I've never seen him play as hard as he played against the Rams. So there was some get-back there. So I'm sure Sammy's going to feel the same way. He's going to want to prove to the Rams and to the world that they made a mistake not keeping me here. So he's going to play his best. But Marcus Peters also, look, um, like he said, Kansas City didn't want you. They were done with you, and the, the the one team that was interested was the L.A. Rams, and here you are. So you've got a lot to prove, too. So maybe that will balance each other out come game day. What about the other pieces, two of them on my mind? Kelsey, how do you contend with him? Hill on the opposite side. I mean, do, any early indication, any guess as to how Wade deploys his defensive assets to contain those two? Well, I, I would, you know, it's funny. I was trying to figure out which guy is more dangerous, Tariq Hill or Alvin Kamara. And I have to say Kamara because he can take traditional handoffs as a running back. And, and he's had two great games against L.A. Right, and make just make a little dink and dunk run play, a big explosive play because he's that good. But Tariq Hill, his speed just changes everything. So I think you have to handle him with all 11. You have to call it out where he is, where his alignment, where he begins, and what could happen there. And just make sure you're letter perfect there because if you miss, he's gone. Kelsey, you're going to have to cover with pressure. Because I, I don't think you can cover yeah. him f- man for man or in, in zone. He's Rush just that to cover good. Him. You're going to have to get pressure on Mahomes to limit what Kelsey does to you. If you don't get pressure on Mahomes, Kelsey's going to hurt you. Yeah, I just know that. I had a thought driving in today that if we don't call a Marcus Joyner's name a few times on Monday, it probably doesn't bode well for this Rams defense. He has had a quiet season playing on the franchise tag. This feels like a game where he could and should show up. Big time. I hope so. Both safeties. John Johnson, too. He's going to be in man coverage. Marquis Christian is going to be in man coverage. Uh, Corey Littleton. Um, we, we said we had glowing praise for him, and it's still the same way, but he's going to be tested uh, against play action with Kelsey. You're going to be one-on-one with the guy, that guy. So not just staying with him in the route. That's going to be tough. It's what happens after the catch. If he does catch it seven years down the field, that's all he gets. Hmm. Uh, you, you can't think that you're going to – be the one team in the league that can shut down Kelsey or make Mahomes have a bad day. No, if they get position, stay in position and make sure you make the tackle after the play. All right, final break here. We'll come back with segment number five, a key matchup elsewhere in the NFC as the Eagles travel to the Superdome to take on the New Orleans Saints. And final thoughts on Andy Reid versus Sean McVay, Monday Night Football at the Coliseum. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and this is Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. We'll finish this edition of Rams All Access with the play-calling, head-coaching showdown in just a moment, but I want to touch on the Eagles and the Saints, another big game in the NFC with implications for the Rams going into this week. Uh, Interesting that uh, Peterson and um, Sean Payton, I guess, had a little golfing bet this offseason. Really? Payton lost. So the Eagles get to wear uh, their preferred uniforms, I guess their their home uniforms, in the Superdome this week, and the Saints are going to wear their color rush white. How cool is that? I like that. I'm, I'm glad they can get that done. Just you know, don't ha- don't be a fire alarm around Sean Payton. He may knock you off the wall. But I mean, look, I I love the fact that you have a head coach that's not afraid to do things like that. Uh, it's 
football is supposed to be about fun. Uh, whether it's trash talk or bulletin board material, it seems like he's having a good time being a head coach. Uh, he's having a good time because they've ripped off eight consecutive victories, uh, coming off another really impressive performance to show that that win over the Rams was certainly not a fluke. I wonder if Philadelphia shows up as the defending Super Bowl champions in this one. Man, can, they, can they do the Rams a favor and give New Orleans a second loss? They could. Um I, I know something about that Super Bowl hangover. I mean, it seems like you're on the parade float, and next thing you know, it's week 10. Uh, it, it's it's rough uh, to defend. It's the toughest thing in sports. One, to win it. Two, to defend it. So, But that team is still there. That good Philadelphia squad, that Super Bowl Super Bowl football team is still there. So at some point, you hope it comes out. I hope it comes out this week because it helps the Rams if you can beat New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, if not, I mean, Philadelphia goes in at 4-5. and five. They were to take a sixth loss. Uh, their hope's looking dim, even though that division right now is anybody's guess. All right, turning our attention back to the Rams and the Chiefs. Hope you will join us even on short notice, Monday Night Football at the Coliseum. It's going to be an emotional night. Uh, lots of tickets given away to uh, victims, friends, and families, and first responders, and uh, all those who have experienced the crisis here in Southern California in recent weeks. Uh, like the game against Peyton and the Saints, I'm really curious to see the matchup between McVeigh and Andy Reid. This is going to be fun. Yeah, this it, is going to be fun to as to which guy can come up with, I wouldn't say gadget plays, but just plays that you didn't think of, that the other guy didn't come up with. So how many unique situations can you get Tyreek Hill the football? How many unique situations can you get Todd Gurley the football in the flat or get Brandon Cooks down the field? Can you protect both quarterbacks? This is going to be a fun matchup. Speaking of quarterbacks, I kind of like the role that Jared Goff has been cast on. Granted, he's on the cover of ESPN the magazine, so this is a bad time to be making this argument. But he's on a run of matchups right now where everyone talks about Aaron Rodgers, and he plays well against the Packers, and everyone talks about Drew Brees. They think he's the the 1A to Mahomes in the MVP race. Goff played well in that game. Uh, now here comes Mahomes. I mean, we are literally seeing the future of NFL quarterbacking at the Coliseum on Monday. And Goff continues to thrive in kind of that undercard, underbuild quarterback role. I, I imagine he has another very good game on Monday. You know, just watching him like I watch any other quarterback in the National Football League, he is really, really good. Jared Goff is. His decision-making is getting quicker and quicker. And I don't just mean where he's putting the football. I'm talking about when he can escape the pocket and how fast he realizes he's got an open side of the field that I can actually advance the football. It's just as fast as Russell Wilson pulling the trigger to move the football down the field. And then when he does get protection and you want to take the top off the defense, it's going to be a big play. He throws with accuracy better than most. Uh, The other guy that comes to mind is Mahomes. When he gets time in the pocket, forget it. You don't have a chance down the field. The guy can just zip it from anywhere to anywhere. So both guys at some point, maybe five, six years down the road, are going to be the premier, the elite quarterbacks that everyone else is chasing. If there has been a lull to this 2018 campaign for Jared Goff, it was when Cooper Cup was out of the lineup. So, I mean, if there's a question that he has left to answer, he's won the big one now. I mean, maybe not as big as this, 9-1 and against 9-1, and but he's won big games now, and he's brought his team from behind. Cooper Cup taken away for the rest of this season. How do he and McVeigh compensate? What does that look like? Can they continue to put up 33-plus per game? Well, this is the point. I think I said this uh, pregame um, to Miles Simmons. I did. Uh, you can't blink no matter who you lose in this game because it's a possibility. If you lose a Cooper Cup, you have to rally and keep playing. Mm. So the same applies. Even if you lose somebody you think that's indispensable, 
you have to put the next guy in and not let the standard drop. That's just where you are at 9-1. and one. Uh, We wrap up the show the same way we began. Unfortunate that we won't be able to experience uh, Mexico City maybe next year. And don't let our enthusiasm for Monday Night Football against the Chiefs now at the LA Memorial Coliseum overshadow the fact that uh, obviously there's some difficult circumstances in a lot of different walks of life right now in Los Angeles. And we're also sensitive to those of you who book travel to uh, Mexico and don't get to uh, see those plans all the way through. Nonetheless, we hope that everyone will turn up uh, on Monday night at the Coliseum, make it a true home field advantage as the Rams get that home game back in what could be a Super Bowl preview. DeMarco, thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you on Monday Night Football. This has been Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.